don't announce, don't set out on some big ambitious dream before it's time. Don't quit your job. Don't say, okay, fine, I, I think I know what the Lord wants. I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to go to the mission field or whatever other thing you have on your heart. Don't go off half-cocked on something. That's exactly what Joseph does. And he tells it to his brothers, his father. They dismiss him. The father kind of hangs on to it. But on the other hand, you want to share your dream. Maybe with your pastor. Maybe with your, some spiritual-minded person that's in your life that you can share it with. You want to have a prayer partner. You want to bounce it off of other people. You want to have that exchange in that way. The thing that Joseph lacked is the thing that dreamers lack in general. Patience. Patience to allow other people to get on board with the idea. Patience to allow other people to understand what you're up to. Patience to let God work out the details. I mean, you see it. You don't understand why everybody else doesn't see it. Why can't everybody else get on board with it? You get impatient about it. And then you get angry and frustrated about it. But the only thing the brothers could see is that silly coat down in verse 18. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired now against him to slay him. They're going to kill him. Wow, that's pretty dramatic. So if you're on the other side of the dreamer, you know, this is not the reaction you want to have either. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. They don't even call you know, this. You know, they've got names for him, nicknames, right? And they're calling him names, like you do with your little brother or sister sometimes. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say, Some evil beast has devoured him, and shall see what will become of his dreams. We'll kill him. And his dreams will die with him. And nobody will know. And Reuben, one of the brothers, heard it. And he delivered him out of their hands. So he's, not, he's not really up for murder. He's not really into that. And he said, no, let's not kill him and drop him in the pit. Let's just drop him in the pit alive. And you know, what happens, what happens, right? You know. And Reuben said unto them, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him into his uh, fathers again. So he had a plan. He thought he might go back, save him, and all that sort of thing. But we can't undo this family's structure. We can't get rid of the hatred that is now here. Joseph couldn't ignore his father's favor. And the brothers should have dealt differently with their resentment. Verse 23 and it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat. coat <laughs> it just really irritated him. And his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him, cast him into the pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. So you kind of get the impression he's just going to die there, unless Reuben can kind of rescue him. But what of all we must understand, all this we must understand, is that God is using the present circumstance of Joseph that maybe appear to be opposite of everything Joseph thought was going to happen. And he uses it for his ultimate, for God's ultimate purpose, for God's ultimate glory. And he indeed has his way. You know the rest of the story. Indeed has his way with Joseph in these dreams. Verse 31. They took Joseph's coat, killed the kid, Dipped it in blood, 
And they sent a coat of many colors and brought it to their father. And they said, oh, we found, look what we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or not. You know it's your son's coat. It's Joseph's coat. And he knew it, and he said, it is my son's coat. An evil beast has devoured him. Daddy's buying right into it. And Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces, and Jacob rent his clothes and put on sackcloth and, and upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted, for he said, I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Imagine the heartache. And the Midianites sold him into Egypt, into Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's captain of the guard. Now you know all the story, but suddenly you see some pieces of it coming together. Joseph has never lost sight of his dream. When he was even in slavery, I don't know if down in the pit he lost sight, but it happens pretty quick. And now we see some dreams even in the prison. And so at this point, you'd have to go back to chapter 35. I'm not going to, but back to chapter 35. You read the birth of Benjamin. There's another young brother that comes along. And uh, at that, then this beloved Rachel, the mother, the beloved wife, she passes away. But for now, fast forward with me. He's sold into Potiphar's house. Jump ahead with me. Chapter 39, Genesis 39, verse 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him out of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord's still with Joseph. Even though you can't see how it's going to happen, the Lord's with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that was in his hand to prosper. And Joseph found grace in the sight, and he served him, and made him overseer over his house, and all that he had put into his hand. And it came to pass, verse 5, that uh, he had made him overseer in the house, and over all that he had. And the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house. And in the field, and he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he, knew, he didn't even know how much he had in his checkbook, save the bread that he ate. And Joseph was a goodly person, means he was handsome, by the way, and well favored. You'll see what happens. Now, in all this time, God obviously had not forgotten about Joseph. Everything he touched is still blessed by God, right? But in all this time, Joseph, I wonder to myself, is he getting a big head? Maybe Joseph is forgetting a little bit about the dream he had, and he's kind of enjoying the job he's got now. Maybe, maybe he's okay with it all. Perhaps to keep him from getting a big head, interject into this story this interested wife, verse 7. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, this good-looking young man lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master doesn't even know all this, and, and, and he trusts me with everything, and he has committed everything into my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. And then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? At that point, you, by the way, you remember that when you sin, it's not against Potiphar. Not against your boss. 
not against whatever else you can think of. You sin, you sin against God. And so it came to pass, as she spake unto Joseph day by day, by day, by day, by day, he, didn't, he still didn't do it. And it came to pass, verse 11, about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house therein, and she caught him by his garment. Now this time, I mean, you cannot turn me down. And he leaves his garment in her hand, and he fled and he got out. This is before video cameras captured it all. Second Timothy 2. Flee youthful lust. And when Joseph was a young dreamer, he needed to learn the lesson that every young person needs to hear and that many of us often struggle with, and that is patience. And God dropped him into a pit and said, wait a while. Wait a while. Don't get too far over your skis. Don't get out ahead of me. Wait a while. Now Joseph is prospering, and now he has to learn the second great lesson that every ambitious young person, successful young man or woman needs to learn, and that is humility. Patience. Humility. And God places him into prison. But again... God uses it for good. Verse 17, and she spake unto it. You know the story, right? She, 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 uh, hell hath no fury like a scorned woman. Well, she's scorned. She's angry. She makes up lies about him. Who's the husband going to believe? Throws him into prison. And Joseph's master, verse 20, took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners are bound. Huh. You see how it's coming together. And he was there in the prison, but the Lord was with Joseph, even in prison, even in the pit. He showed him mercy, gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph all the prisoners that were in the prison. So now he's head of the prison block. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. He was the one in charge. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him, that is, with Joseph. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. See a pattern here of this man. In Genesis 40, Joseph continues to prosper. And he's put in charge of all this, uh, this prison, the cell block. As a result, then, he comes into conversation with the Butcher, the baker, and the candle, I want to say the candlestick maker, but no, he didn't. Just the butcher and the baker. And look here, or it's a butler and a baker, verse 20, down in verse 20, chapter 40. And it came to pass the third day to Pharaoh's birthday. And he made a feast unto all his servants, and he lifted up his head of the chief butler and of the chief bakers. And he restored the chief butler. I need some help. This is exactly what Joseph said would happen in the dream. I didn't, I didn't read those dreams. And uh, unto his butlership again, and he gave up the cup to Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker. And that's exactly what Joseph said would happen. And by the way, Joseph, when he told this dream to the butler, he said, and when you're restored, don't forget about me. You know, maybe I can get out of jail too. But nothing. 
Joseph remains in charge of the prison for like two more years. Proving once again that while you may feel forgotten, the Lord can and will prosper you in the circumstance of your life as it is right now. Maybe preparing you for something greater that you don't even know about. As with the pit, now the prison, that thing in your life right now that you think the devil is going to use to destroy you, God can and will use it to strengthen you. That thing in your life right now that you feel the devil is going to use to just destroy you. God can and will use it to strengthen you, encourage you, bless you, stay patient, stay humble. Like one fellow said, I, I thought to myself, it's a famous guy, but I, I could not remember who said it. Tried to figure it out, couldn't, couldn't find it. Like one fellow said, if you feel like you're going through hell, just keep moving forward. The last thing in the world you want to do is get stuck in hell, right? Just keep moving forward. Just take the next step. Well, in all this time, Joseph seems to have forgotten a little bit. I mean, he seems to have been forgotten about. But then there's Pharaoh's dreams. Chapter 41. Look down at verse 8. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians. So now that Pharaoh's got a troubling dream. I don't know what it means. Maybe somebody can help me out. So he calls for all his wise men, right? And all the magicians and everybody. And Pharaoh told him his dream. So he's at least better than, remember Daniel wasn't even told what the dream was. And no, I'm not going to tell you. You've got to figure it out. At least he's told the dream. And there was none that could interpret it for Pharaoh. But one of Pharaoh's servants, the butler, he hears the word dream. Nobody's able to figure it out. You know, there was a guy in prison that I once met. <laughs> I don't know if you have a story like that. I hope not. But, you know, there's a guy in prison I once met. I got a guy. I, I, I think he might be able to help you. He hears this word dream. Reminds him of Joseph. And now Joseph's fame is coming forward down in verse 9. So he spake, and chief butler said unto Pharaoh, I remember my false sister. I remember I, I, I forgot to tell you about this guy and get him, help get him out of prison like he, I promised I would. And Pharaoh was wroth with his servant. Put me inward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker, and we dreamed a dream one night, I and he, and we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was, there was uh, with us a young man, an Hebrew guy. I, I, you know, I'm not sure I remember his name. He said unto the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted the dream for us. And to each man, according to his dream, interpreted it and came to pass, just as he said it would. And uh, me he restored into mine office, and him he hanged. Verse 14, And Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph. And they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he saved himself and changed his raiment. So he takes a shower, he doesn't put on that silly coat of many colors, he's much more humble now. And I'm sure he approaches it a lot more patient than he did before. And he comes to speak unto Pharaoh in this humble, patient way he now has. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I've dreamed a dream. There's none that can interpret it. I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand dreams to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, oh, it's not me. See the difference now in his attitude? God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. 
And Joseph interprets the dream down in verse 25. And there's going to be seven years of plenty. Remember the story? Seven years of famine. And it's going to be terrible famine. Down in verse 31, a very difficult time. So was Joseph then thrown back into prison? Hey, thank you very much. Go back to your job in the prison. Well, look down at verse 39. You know the story already, but look at it. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God has showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house. <laughs> this is Pharaoh of Egypt. You're going to be over my house according to thy word. How's this going to work out in those other dreams? I don't know yet. And Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. You're going to be second in command of all Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring, that thing you seal documents with, seal of approval, and put it on Joseph's hand, and arrayed him in vestures and fine linen. Put go Now he's got a coat, right? Oh, this coat must be fabulous. And gold chains about his neck, right? So he's got all the bling to go with it in verse 43. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had, and they cried before him, Bow the knee. Well, you see some things happening here, but it's still not Israel. It's still not the sun, moon, and stars. It's still not that. So maybe Joseph misinterpreted. And he ruled over the land of Egypt, and Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I'm Pharaoh. Without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name I'll let you figure that now. And he gave him, oh, here's an interesting, and he gave him a wife, Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. And jo I'll come back to that in a second. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. Well, this was certainly an upgrade from Potiphar's house. It's certainly an upgrade from the dungeon, right? By way, and here's what I wanted to mention, the Midrash. It's a, sort of an oral tradition that's been sort of written down, passed down through. So just by tradition, there in verse 45, Asenath is the forgotten daughter of Dinah. Now, if you were with us a couple of weeks ago, remember Dinah, who was turned out by the family because, remember that story? And she had a child, and this is the forgotten daughter of Ashtonoth, or of, of Dinah. Ashtonoth. Now that means technically, there's no blood relationship, but technically that means that Ashtonoth is the niece of Joseph. No blood relationship. That's oral tradition. Meanwhile, Jacob's youngest son, Benjamin, was growing up and with his mother, Jacob's beloved Rachel, now dead. And his favorite son, Joseph, gone to who knows where. All his attention, all of Jacob's attention is now turned to that beloved young son, Benjamin. But the effect of the devastating dream of 
famine is widespread or even reaches down into Canaan. And you see the famine of verse chapter 42, verse 1. And when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, oh, there's plenty of, you know, I live in North Carolina, but there's plenty of gas up there in Pennsylvania, right? Let's, let's go there, fill up our tank. And Jacob said unto his sons, Why do you look upon another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there's corn in Egypt. Get down there and get some corn. You know, get in line. Get our share. Help us out. We may live and not die. And Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. But Benjamin, this younger loved Joseph's brother by Rachel, Jacob sent not down with his brethren, for he said, Lest peradventure mischief would befall him, and I'd lose another beloved son. And the sons of Israel, sons of Jacob, they came to buy corn and, uh, in the, from this famine. And Joseph, verse 6, was the governor over the land. And he it was that sold to all the people. So if you're going to get corn, you're going to have to go through who? Joseph. These brothers are going to have to face Joseph, and they don't even know it. And they think, I suppose they think he's dead. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Now with this, Joseph's original dream is fulfilled, but in true Joseph form, he couldn't let it go at that. He had to fill the moment with drama. That's just the way Joseph was. He hasn't learned every lesson yet. He's got one more to learn. And in order to hide his emotion, he doesn't want to show emotion of recognizing the brother. He speaks strangely. So remember, he's Egyptian, right? So he's, he's going to speak in that way, and he's going to speak through an interpreter that then gives it in the Hebrew to these brothers. But he, he could have done it himself. So he spoke even more harshly, verse 6, or verse 7, and then verse 9. And then he calls them spies, come down to search out and figure out what's going on here. And in all this, the brothers had no clue as Joseph quizzes them about their father and younger brother, demanding, bring that younger brother down to see me. And then as they decide what they might do in order to gain favor and get some food and take some back home, they spoke Hebrew among themselves. So here you are in a group of people. You're speaking through a translator, but you know their language. They start talking among themselves. But you know what they're saying. They don't know you know what they're saying. Verse 21. And they said one to another, We are very guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us. He begged us to save him and we wouldn't listen. Therefore this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them saying, Spake I not unto thee? <laughs> Right, the older brother, he's got, didn't I tell you guys? Do not sin against this child, and you wouldn't listen to me, and therefore, behold, also his blood is required of us. And it was at this point that God teaches Joseph the third great lesson that every young person, and most of us, need to learn. He's learned patience down in the pit. He learned humility in prison, and now it says, verse 24, Joseph wept. 
Joseph, for the first time, has learned compassion. Patience, humility, compassion. Joseph was a dreamer who seemed to always be right. But how many of you know in family relationships, you can choose to be right if you want to, and I told you so, and blah, 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 that's fine. Or you can choose to be restored one to another. Do you want to be right? Or do you want to have a relationship? Well, even though Joseph came by way of the pit and the prison, everything seemed to work out for him. Joseph had no compassion, though, at first when he spoke to his brothers, at first when he spoke to his father, and even when he spoke to the baker, saying to the baker, your dream is you're going to die. Was Joseph right? It was all very matter-of-fact for him. Yep, it's your dream, you're going to die. (laughs) Thanks a lot. He had no compassion. Joseph was confident that he was on the side of right, but he had no compassion for those who were on the side of wrong. Don't you dare speak to someone about the Lord Jesus Christ without some compassion in your heart because you know what's going to happen if they don't accept the Lord. You don't speak to them because they're wrong. And you're right. That just turns everybody off. But have some compassion in your heart when you speak to the lost. Well, at this, at this point now, chapter 45, and take your head, skipping over a whole lot of detail, chapter 45, down in, right there, right off the top in verse 1, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and for the first time, He openly wept. And he says, get everybody out of the room. And there he stood, no man with him, while Joseph made himself known to his brethren. As a result of this family reunion, Joseph sends them all out. He sends, and then he sends his, his, his brothers home. And to prosper, he says, go get mom and dad, get everything, come back. And until the time of Moses, they all live in Egypt. In all this time, Jacob recognized that God was with his son, Joseph. Chapter 48, down in verse 21. And Israel, Jacob, said unto Joseph, Behold, I die, so he's sending a word of blessing. But God shall be with you and bring you again into the land of your fathers. Now, chapter 49, Jacob blesses his sons before dying at age 147. And then to prove Joseph, this dreamer, had learned his lessons, I'm going to have you jump ahead to the end of the story. Chapter 50, down in verse 15. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said unto Joseph, Will peradventure hate us? Joseph's going to have his way. Now, Joseph's going to have vengeance on us. And he'll he'll demand of us every wrong we've ever done. And they sent messengers to Joseph saying, Thy father did command. (laughs) Don't forget, your father said before he died, And so shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren, their sin. For they did this evil unto thee. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass 
of the servants of God, thy, thy father, and Joseph. See all the compassion now. See the difference in his attitude. And he wept. His brethren also went and fell down before his face, but it's totally different now. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Don't be afraid. For I am in the place, or am I not? It's a question. He puts it this way. Am I not in the place that God wants me to be? Now, you thought it evil against me, right? You thought it would destroy me, but God meant it for good to bring to pass as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, fear not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and he spake kindly unto them. Regardless of other people's intention, God can and will use the place that you're in to bless you, use you, tell other people about him. Being a dreamer is not wishful thinking about better days to come or how things used to be or whatever else you can think of. It's about believing this is the day, this is the place, this is the circumstance that God has given me. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. Only be sure that you're in the place God wants. He'll fulfill the dreams of your heart. The Lord can and will prosper you in the circumstance of your life as it is right now. If you're a child of God, then... Today's circumstance is meant to prosper your life. In fact, it'll be worked together like a grand recipe of Romans 8, 38. A grand recipe of working all things together for your good and for His glory. 